Welcome to Coaching Carrie, the podcast where two lawyers turned life and leadership coaches rewatch Sex in the City and can't help but wonder how would Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, and Samantha's lives have been different if they just had a coach to help them along. So I have no illusions about the fact that I was uncool in college and even all through my 20s, but were there parties happening somewhere that I wasn't invited to where women were just like ripping their tops off and exposing their perfectly pert implanted breasts? Or was it just that I wasn't cool enough to be at these parties? (laughs) Or because I'm really shocked that this was apparently happening all over Manhattan. I mean, I wasn't aware of any such parties, but yeah, no, not that I'm aware of. I mean, I think that's a great lead in to uh, season one, episode 10, The Baby Shower, which first aired on August 9th in 1998. And in this episode, two important things happen. Number one, Carrie is late. Not the kind of like, I'm late for a meeting late, but the kind of late that means I might be pregnant. Second, the girls are summoned to Connecticut to their friend Lainey's baby shower. And I say friend and I use that word loosely because it's not really clear that that what (laughs) exists between the girls and Lainey is actual friendship. But who is Lainey, you ask? Well, let's talk about it. Lainey was the ultimate party girl. She was a former record executive who had a habit, as you point out, of at a minimum bearing her breasts <laughs> at parties, but maybe stripping all the way. Yeah, unclear. It's, it is unclear. unclear. But what is clear is that the girls did not think too much of her back then. Right. In fact, they called her the poster girl for low self-esteem. And it's also clear that she and Samantha had something of a rivalry. Since that epic time in her life, Lainey has gotten married, moved to Connecticut, and is having a baby. And we learned the girls haven't been to visit her at her new house in Connecticut since she moved out there. Again, raising the question of like, what is friendship really? The girls debate whether to attend the baby shower. Samantha wonders why Lainey needs to use a baby to validate her existence. Carrie quips, (laughs) why can't she just use sex in a cocktail like the rest of us? The girls decide to go because it's the right thing to do, which means different things to different people. Let's be clear. Samantha rolls into the shower in in a crop top and brings a bottle of scotch as a present. Miranda brings condoms. And Charlotte, of course, brings the ultimate baby gift basket, which the girls all then claim as their own. And Charlotte lets them because that's how friends roll, right? Exactly. (laughs) Lainey is clearly excited to see her friends. Lainey's Connecticut friends are slightly less excited until Charlotte walks in with with the much coveted baby basket, the Bellini baby basket, and everyone's all a Twitter. Yes. (laughs) Cue lots of derisive comments about motherhood coupled with lots of ridiculous statements by the mothers at this party, culminating in Miranda saying that all she needs to do to find the perfect man is give birth to him, (laughs) (laughs) which as as a boy mom made me laugh. Carrie wonders what all these mothers have had to give up and what might still be buried inside of them. Cue a whole bunch of double life of mommy interviews. Charlotte and Lainey talk and Lainey says that it's time for them all, meaning Charlotte, Miranda, Carrie, and Samantha to get serious and settle down that life can't be a novel with four friends looking for love in the big city. Honestly, Charlotte is on board with the whole Connecticut mommy baby shower scene until she learns that Lainey has stolen her secret baby name, Shayla. (laughs) (laughs) on the way home at some random bar 
Carrie tells the girls that she might be pregnant. Charlotte is bemoaning not being a mom yet. Miranda is bemoaning the woman with a master's in finance who only wanted to talk about a diaper genie. Ultimately, Carrie says she knows plenty of cool hit mothers who didn't lose themselves and still live in the city, but leaves us feeling like maybe not really. They get home and Charlotte destroys her wish box, which had pictures of all the houses and beautiful men that she hoped to have someday. Miranda accompanies Carrie to buy a pregnancy test. Carrie doesn't want to take the test until she knows how she will handle whatever the answer or result of the test is. During this delay, Lainey calls Carrie. Carrie's headed to a party at Samantha's. Just to be clear, Samantha's, I don't have a baby shower. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Lainey shows up at the party. Personality big as ever. Charlotte tells Lainey that she killed her dream. Lainey confesses she has no idea what happened to her own dream. Lainey doesn't want to go home, so she decides to strip in a last-ditch attempt to reclaim her youth, which goes about as awkwardly as you'd expect until she decides that she can't actually go through with it. Mm -hmm. Carrie finds herself the next day watching kids play at the park and meets a mom who is hip, seemingly creative, and still living in the city, and it gives her hope. And it also turns out she's not pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I have lots of thoughts on this episode and what it tries to say about what it means to be a mom. But that's not yeah. actually where I went with my coaching question. So I just wanted to throw that out there as kind of a wrap-up thought. Oh, interesting. If I may have a, a very small aside, I think that there's one of the best Samantha moments in the entire series in this episode when she walks in and Charlotte is having the argument with Lainey about the baby name. And Samantha just says, you know, what's going on? And Charlotte says, she stole my baby name. That's all she says. And immediately, without losing a beat, Samantha just turns to Lainey and says, you bitch. Because it's maybe not what you expect Samantha to say, because Samantha doesn't care about babies. In fact, she's kind of like staunchly anti-baby, but she knows that that matters to Charlotte. Yes. And so it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter to her. Yeah. She just immediately is going to be there for her friend. And so I will say that you bitch is code with my gay best friend for I'm standing by you no matter what on this. <laughs> I like that. And it's day. true. It's a great friendship moment because she really does have Charlotte's back. And I mean, yeah. she, it's, it doesn't even actually matter how, it's not even that Samantha doesn't care about the baby name. It's that like, it doesn't matter how ridiculous even the notion that Charlotte has invented a name and claimed right. it as her own and she's not right. even in a relationship or, you know, pregnant. It's like, I get that this is something so significant to you and I don't right. have to agree with, understand it, support it, or even choose it for myself. As your friend, I'm still going to stand with you. So I think that's super cool. Exactly. So I just wanted to point that out because that's still, you know, a, a moment from Samantha that lives on in my daily life, in my friendships. So I love um, that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing, and this is where I went with the coaching questions. My biggest thing is I really have to quibble with the notion of this idea that first I'll say this motherhood transforms you. There's no question, but it does not have to mean that you completely lose yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so where I went with my questions is a broader idea of thinking about where you are in your life today and what parts of you have you set aside. And are you comfortable with those choices? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's from motherhood or something else, right? Well, right. And maybe it would be useful to just clarify here that, Becky, you have two kids. They're kind of, it's like 13, right? I was going to say they're 13 and 17. Yeah. So I've I've been at this mom thing for a minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. So, so you, and you've had, you've kind of already seen the, the full life cycle of childhood. You know, your, your daughter is about to be a senior in high school and my husband and I actually made the conscious decision not to have kids. Yep. We didn't go through any like infertility things. We didn't have any issues conceiving. It was just a conscious choice not to have children. So you and I come from very different places. <laughs> On this, which I think is an interesting place to come at this conversation from. So, why don't you pitch us your your first coaching question and let's see what we had? I mean, so that's the coaching question. It's what parts of you have you set aside? Ah, okay. So, right, because as you go through life, no matter whether you have kids, whether you get married, no matter what you do, your options and life available choices change as you go through your life and you make certain choices. And you choose to, you know, opt into some things and opt out of other things. This is interesting because I used to talk to my therapist all the time about self-selecting out of marriage. Mm. I thought that by, you know, really investing myself in my career and being, you know, making the choice to pursue that career as an attorney, I would never get married. I would never find someone who was interested in that because I was just like too challenging, too tough. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just a constant like self-selection out of, you know, certain things and into others. Yeah. I mean, and we've even talked about it previously on some of our episodes with like some of the choices that Miranda has made to set aside her femininity, to set aside potentially her sexual power, if that's how you want to frame it. You know, here we see Samantha in her tension with Lainey, like deliberately saying like, I'm not setting aside certain parts of me. And Mm -hmm. we see Carrie kind of grappling with, if I am pregnant, what does it mean? What will I have Mm -hmm. to set aside? And so I, I just thought it was an interesting thing to think about what parts of yourself you've already released. As you point out, do the sort of thinking to figure out was this a choice? Like, did I want to release this? If I don't, Mm -hmm. how can I call it back? And then if I, if I do like, awesome, let's let it go and have that be a thing. And so just having that conversation. And I think about it even in the context of some of these women that they interviewed at the baby shower, the woman that Miranda talks about who, you know, has a master's in finance, but was talking about the diaper genie. Well, it's possible to be sort of like really accomplished, really intelligent and a mother, just to throw that out there, like, right. And talk about a diaper genie at a baby shower. And that doesn't mean that you've completely abandoned all other parts of you either forever or even for now. Right. So just being a little more conscientious of how that can work and how, and how the and can come into play there. So This whole season has been very invested over and over again in the kind of tribalism that women can sometimes engage in, like the marrieds and the singles. That's been obviously a a theme throughout this season, but now we're kind of also throwing in the mothers and the non-mothers and creating another kind of tribalism, almost a subset of the marrieds, right? Yep. (laughs) I think it's really interesting to watch Charlotte in this episode because once again, she's our true believer. Mm-hmm. Right. She's the one of our four main characters who really, truly continues to believe that all of this is going to happen for herself. Right. She has a moment of doubt, obviously, in the middle of this episode when she's like hugging in child's pose her her secret box or her wish box, whatever she calls it. But, um, you know, she's able to really dive into the festivities of the baby shower because she actually believes truly in her heart of hearts that this will all happen for her if that's what she wants. And I get the sense that maybe not for Samantha, but certainly for Carrie and Miranda, it's a little bit more of like doubting either that it'll happen or that, Mm -hmm. you know, for Carrie, are you going to be good at it if it does happen? Right. Um, Yeah. 
Right. And I think actually just the way you you described it there is a really nice segue into my next question, which I hinted at a little bit, but it is, what does friendship mean to you? Mm-hmm. And you've already touched on it in this in the context of, you know, Samantha showing up and being a, a, what we both agree is being a really good friend to Charlotte. But I mean, I think also like, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I have a friend who's made a choice and is celebrating something that is different than what I have in my own life or what I'm, what I think I might want in my own life, I still show up and celebrate, right? Like I still show up and like enjoy that moment for them. And here we see, and and I say this with no judgment, right? Because they're clearly grappling with their own issues, but here we see Samantha, not really able to do that on the one hand with Lainey, but very clearly able to do that when she comes to Charlotte's defense. And then we mm-hmm. see Carrie and Miranda too in their own heads about what this all means to say like, hey, ostensibly Lainey is our friend. What does it mean to show up and celebrate with her? Yeah. So, right. This episode opens with Carrie saying nothing is harder than being happy for someone else sometimes, right? Yes. Which maybe this is why this episode has always had a little special place in my heart because, you know, when I was in the middle of my 20s kind of going through that whole thing of like, am I ever going to get married? Did I self-select out of this because I chose to have a career? I really struggled Mm -hmm. with being happy for other people, particularly people who were getting the things that I thought my choices were going to prevent me from having. It's And I really see that part of myself in the girls when they are struggling to be happy for Lainey. But also back to, you know, your earlier question about like, what is this friendship that they have with Lainey? It actually seems more like a frenemies Mm -hmm. situation. Why did they get invited to this party? Like, is it just for show? Is she just kind of needling them? Or is it actually genuinely like, I want to celebrate this with you? Because it's very strange, all the interactions during this party. Yeah, I mean, you can think of a million reasons that that are outside of sort of like traditional, like, I, you're my friend and I want you there, right? Like, from Lainey's perspective, it might be an attempt to show her Connecticut friends like, hey, well, look at I was a cool New Yorker at one point. These are my cool yeah. New Yorker friends. Or even more innocent than that, it could just simply be like, this is a chapter in my life and I want to remember it and connect with it as I'm entering this like really different and new chapter. And so, yeah, I mean, there's that's a great question. And then like, you know, the call to carry of like, we should hang out more often, never mind that we haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. Like, and, and that's fine. I mean, like we all reconnect with friends over the course of our lives, but I just really think this is an interesting when you stop and think about it, an interesting look at friendship and what it really means mm-hmm. to be friends with somebody. And it is hard to celebrate with people when they have what you want. I mean, the closest sort of to this episode that I can think of is between kid one and kid two, we had some significant fertility issues. And mm. that was at a time where a lot of my friends were having kids. And sometimes, yeah, it was hard to get the pregnancy announcement because of what it meant that we we didn't have at that point. But yeah. It makes you um, remember the thing that you're missing. For sure. And so I, that's why I say, I say that with no judgment about, you know, them as they're struggling with their own issues. But also I do think when you have a genuine caring about that person, you can sort of like find the middle ground of managing your own yeah, <laughs> inner world yeah. and still showing up for them, which I guess they did show up in the biggest sense, but. Yeah. I mean, they do arrive in Connecticut. <laughs> yes. Well, and they, and they seriously contemplated as they were all piled in Carrie's bed, you know, hanging mm-hmm. out one night, they seriously contemplated not arriving in Connecticut. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's give, let's give them credit for bucking up and showing up even when they knew it was going to be sort of an awkward situation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, interesting question. 
So then I have on the fence between my two remaining questions. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I think, I think I'll do it like this. So I really did think it was an interesting line when, again, they're debating whether to go to the baby shower or not. They throw out that line of like, why does she need a baby to use a baby to validate her existence? And Carrie's like, why can't she use, you know, sex in a cocktail like the rest of us? I have this question. I didn't quite know how to phrase it, but the question that I wrote down is this, what does it mean to validate your existence? Oh, for sure. <laughs> For sure. I mean, everybody in this episode seems like they're trying to like validate or justify the life that they're living now yep. against the foil of the other possibilities left behind. Yep. Right. When we get all the kind of mom interviews and, you know, this has also kind of become a trope now. Like now that the kind of wall between, you know, the happy mother and the conflicted mother has been broken down a little bit. And it's possible for mothers to talk a little bit more about the challenges of being a mom in addition to the happiness and joy that it brings. We've got all these moms with these like hidden, you know, little things that they're doing to kind of keep their lives interesting because they're all like roped into motherhood. You know, we've got the one who used to have 200 people reporting to her and now she screams at the gardener and we've got, you know, the one who's got memories of a lesbian lover apparently. And one who goes into the treehouse and smokes pot and listens to Peter Frampton. I mean, so it's really interesting that like Carrie's imagining this, obviously, like this is kind of what she thinks in her head about what these women think. But I think we should also give her credit for the fact that like she recognizes that everybody in this room has choices that they didn't make, that they, you know, opted out of that they wonder about. Mm -hmm. And she's having that same kind of real-time debate with herself, you know, about whether she would be a good mother or not. And also just trying to figure out like, okay, if I'm not pregnant, if I am pregnant, what does my life mean? Yes. Really like, it's very interesting. It is. And it's also interesting to be thinking about this. And you said sort of this like wall between different categories of motherhood being broken down. It's an interesting time to take this issue on just because, I mean, we know the statistics, right? Like during the last year plus, the majority of people who left the workforce were women. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, though I don't have confirmation and haven't done the research, that a lot of those were probably moms, right? Because yeah. of this pull. And so, like, you know, what does that mean? And there is a real, so like I said earlier, like, I don't think motherhood means you have to lose your identity, but it does mean you have to fight to keep it. I mean, let's yeah. be clear, like, it is a real demand on your time, it is a real demand on your energy, and it is a real demand on your identity. Like you have to be really clear about who you want to be and how you want to show up and what parts of you, you really want to hold on to. And you have to be working with the people in your family unit to figure out how to navigate that, I think. So it's just an interesting time to think about that question to me of like, what does it mean to validate your existence and how do you do that? And is it an external validation or an internal validation? Yeah. I mean, you know, as someone who is without children, especially now, you know, as we're coming out of quarantine, (laughs) We've had so many people get in touch with us. My husband is like obsessed with posting on Facebook for better or for worse. And so he gets tons of of people who are married with children say, oh my gosh, you guys, you just seem like, you know, you have such a great life. You know, you're living in Southwest Michigan. You're, you know, eating all this beautiful food. You've got time to do all the yard work and, you know, enjoy your fire pit and all this. And everyone else seems like really very settled right now with the burden of caring for their children and schooling and everything else. And I always think to myself like, yeah, but it's so easy for us. I don't have to fight against, you know, another force to stay who I am. And if I did, I think I would be way too exhausted. I would just, you know, take a napa. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and just maybe not fight so much. So, you know, when Carrie is sitting at the bar and says, she knows plenty of women who were able to stay, you know, who they are and, and still be mothers. I think that is actually kind of wishful thinking that she really wishes she does know those women. And maybe she doesn't for other reasons. Maybe she you know, hasn't maintained the friendships or maybe they've just kind of gone by the wayside. But that seems really hard to do what you're talking about, which is kind of constantly battle against the forces that would just suck you into, I'm just going to be a mom and not continue to commit to the things that make you who you are as an individual. I mean, it is hard if you don't know what those things are, like that actually matter to you. It is hard if you're not clear on what you want to hold on to. If you're clear on what is important to you and you're clear Mm. on your priorities, in my experience, it becomes way easier Mm. because you know what is negotiable and what is not negotiable. You know where you can give and where you are not going to give. And when you've been able to have those conversations with a partner, assuming you're raising children with a partner and with your children as they grow up, it becomes much easier because they recognize the non-negotiable boundaries too. And then it Mm. frees them up to set their own, right? Like it allows you to sit down with your partner and say, okay, like let's be intentional about how we do this in this season. And let's be clear, as your kids age and grow, motherhood changes, parenthood changes. What my kids need from me now is not what they needed from me when they were, you know, unable to get their own food, right? For sure, right. (laughs) And so, but continuing to bring that level of intentionality and identify what matters most to you, what matters most to the people in your lives, your partner, if you have one, and how you want to navigate that together, I think it's not that it's easy, but it is easier when you're clear on that. And I think the challenge comes that we sort of dive into parenthood and we aren't clear on what parts of us we want to hold on to. And we aren't clear on what parts of us we don't want to lose track of. And we aren't clear on what really drives our happiness. And so we get real muddled real fast because a lot is going on, especially in those early years of parenthood. Yeah, that's really an interesting perspective too, because the reference that Lainey makes to the Jacqueline Suzanne novel, Jacqueline Suzanne wrote Valley of the Dolls which is the the campiest single girls in New York book like ever written, right? I mean, so, you know, making that particular reference is really, the way that I take it is that like that life is completely incompatible with the quote unquote, you know, get serious life that Lainey's talking about, which is marriage and kids. And so Lainey is basically making the assumption that the stuff that the girls would want to hold on to is the bar hopping and the sleeping around and going on dates and $400 Manolos. Oh, if they only cost $400 now. (laughs) Um, Right. I mean, like she's assuming that those are the things that the girls would actually choose to hold on to of themselves if and when they decide to get married and have children. But that's kind of like the least common denominator. Yes. But the girls also buy into that on some level. I mean, Carrie says, you know, use sex in a cocktail to validate your life. It's funny because there's tension there. Like these two sides don't agree, but they actually kind of do agree. It's interesting. It is interesting. I mean, and so, and I can imagine like on the surface, right? It might seem like that, but really if you stopped and looked at each character, like I don't think Carrie is worried about giving up partying or going out. I think she's worried about giving up the ability to be creative and the creative, like the time freedom that she has and the ability to connect with whoever she wants, whenever she wants. Like I need to be able to run my errands with people, right? Like (laughs) got my task rabbit time. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's just, 
you know, I mean, I can, I'm guessing, but I can imagine if you sat down and had the conversation, she'd actually sort of come up with what it is that she needs to hold on to. And then you can also quickly imagine how as a parent, you might be able to still retain some of that in your life if you architect it correctly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So that's, I'm, I just want to call out, sorry, real quick, the, the writers making the choice not to make big, a large part of her thinking in this episode. Yeah. He's mentioned once at the yeah. bar when Miranda says, you know, are you going to tell him? And Carrie says, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything until I know how to finish the sentence. Right. But I sort of love that they make the decision that they're not going to involve him in her kind of turmoil thinking about this at this point. And of course she doesn't have to because she eventually gets her period. It's a non-issue, whatever. But I really loved that they kept it with her. Yes. Instead of sending her on this, you know, like whirligig, you know, thought experiment about like, would we get married? Would we do? It's really about her and how she feels about herself as a potential mother. So I I just really loved that choice. No, I I think that's right. I think it's a good choice. And I think, I mean, you can imagine based on what we've seen so far from Carrie and Big, how that plays out if they go that route. And so I think what we get here is a much deeper exploration of, of what exactly what we've talked about of motherhood and of friendship. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting episode. I will throw in my bonus question, not for discussion, but I want to throw it in <laughs> since I mentioned that I had another one. Yes. And it really co- comes from Charlotte's wish box, which I think it's super cool that she has an idea of things she wants in the future. But those things seem very, I don't want to say superficial, but they seem very only surface considerations. Like I will have mm-hmm. the pretty house here. I will have the pretty house here and I will have the pretty man, right? The pretty mm-hmm. successful man who checks all the boxes. And so the question I have, the bonus question is, what is your vision for the future? Mm-hmm. And my challenge to to all of us would be to think about that vision at a deeper level. Like I'm here for the pretty house in the Hamptons and the nice, you know, home in New York and the man who checks all the boxes, but let's get a little deeper and talk about what it is that those things really represent to you and why, and why do you want them in your lives? And like, how will it feel when you have them and, and really just dig into what your vision of your, of your ideal life at this moment might look like, and, and then allow it to evolve and change as time comes. So that was my bonus question. Well, because you've really hit the issue, which is that it's almost, I mean, I think it's explicitly stated that Charlotte created this, you know, wish box when she was like eight and it has not changed yes. since. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, what does Charlotte's arrested development look like? <laughs> yeah, yes. That's what's in yeah. the box. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I think, you know, it's a powerful thing to be thinking about where you want to head. And so just doing that in a way that's deeper and clearer, I think can be really fun. Oh, love it. So I will recap my questions. Um, The first question is, what parts of yourself have you set aside? The second question was, what does friendship mean to you? And the third question was, what does it mean to validate your existence? And the fourth question is, what is your vision for the future? So Mm. lots to think about there. Definitely, for sure. Well, thanks for joining us again for another episode. We'll be back next week with more. Have a great one, everyone. Hey, it's Carrie. I would love to connect with you out in the world at carriewalshcoaching.com. There you'll find more information about me, coaching, blog posts, and an opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. Or if you or your company is looking for executive coaching, you can check out theatalantagroup.com for more information. That's the A-T-A-L-A-N-T-A group.com. Hey, that's Becky. 
To connect with me, the easiest way is to head over to my website at untanglehappiness.com. There you can learn more about the services I offer, as well as get additional information about my book, The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters. I look forward to connecting with you.